Hey, good morning, everybody. It is really, really awesome. I love Family Sunday. Look, at some point, a kid's going to cry. It doesn't throw me off, so I'm always trying to let parents know that. And uh, if it's your first time here, again, I just want to say welcome. Welcome to South Point. If you're joining us online, thanks so much for tuning in. And last week, we started a series called Uncharted because we just said, look, it's a weird year. Like, we're all going through all these different things. And we said last week that, hey, our plans have changed. And when I get up on Sunday mornings, I have a pretty standard routine. I get up, I, I shower, I get over to the church a little bit early. I like to look over my notes. I like to spend some time reading. It's just a good, good time for me. Well, my plan changed this weekend. Um, and a lot of times you think, well, when a plan changes, you got to make a new plan, right? you got to have the new norm. Well, sometimes the plan's made for you because my plans were made for me. Because one of the guys in our life group, a guy named Matt Altman, some of you guys know the Altmans, they've got a little farm, and they're out of town this weekend, so I'm taking care of the animals. That also includes milking the goat. <laughs> I started my day, I milked a goat. And because of the culture and time, I have to think that Jesus did that too sometimes, right? Like he may have actually milked a goat and then went and preached a sermon on the mount. So I'm feeling a little bit closer to the Lord today. Um, but yeah, my day started by milking a goat. And uh, here's the fun thing. If you want to try goat's milk, I have some. Um, look, it's 2020. Let's be adventurous. So the plan was already made for me. A lot of plans have changed this year, right? Your school plans have changed. And a shout out to every teacher, administrator, anyone working in the school system, because you guys are pouring a lot in. Because on Monday, yes, you can give them a hand. On Monday, I dropped Logan off at school, and I was like, oh, I get to go back to normal. But he had to have some dental work done on Friday, so we had to do online school. Um, Daddy got a little frustrated, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, he was there. Had to apologize a little bit, so... That plan changed. You had to make a new plan. Plans change at the grocery store. Got to put stickers down on the floor, and I am the world's worst at obeying the this way and that way when it comes to Walmart. I'm just really, I fail at it. Church had to change. We had to come up with a new plan. Had to go to online stuff. We had to space chairs out. We had to figure out how to do all of this over again, so we had to make new plans. But what if you didn't have to make a plan? What if the plan was already made for you? Because I'm going to tell you this morning, and I want to show you in Scripture, yes, God does, in fact, have a plan for your life that you don't have to come up with. It's already done for you. And so today, we're going to look at the plan that God has for us. Yeah, last week you said plans change, and sometimes we make new ones. But sometimes there is a little comfort in knowing I don't have to be the one to come up with this. God's already done it. So we're going to start in 1 Thessalonians It'll be in verse four or chapter four and verse one. You can follow along on the screens or in your Bible or app or whatever. Paul says this. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you were doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. What's God's plan? What's God's will? Your sanctification. What is that? Because I will acknowledge that is a big church word. And sometimes you go, well, do we really need big church words? Why don't we come up with something else? Well, this is a scriptural word. We're going to talk in a little bit, hey, we're not to be conformed to the world. We do things a little bit differently. And so I want to use that word because it's got so much meaning to it. It's progressively becoming more like Jesus Christ. 
That's his plan for your life, for you to progressively become more like Christ. You don't have to come up with the plan. It's already made there for you. Now, it starts, you have to remember, he's talking to believers here. How do I become more like Christ? Well, it starts with salvation. That's where this all begins. And so if you're sitting here today and you maybe church is kind of new or you just you never really felt like you were really personally walking with Christ, it starts with salvation. It starts with the acknowledgement that, hey, God created everything in perfect harmony. And then mankind sinned. And that sin became part of our DNA. Like we just can't not do it. And that separates us from God. But in his grace and mercy, 2,000 years ago, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, lived a sinless life, laid it down, was crucified so that you and I could experience salvation. He paid the price for your sin. And when we say, hey, I want to turn from my life and I want to follow Christ, I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, in that instant, someone is a new creation and it doesn't end there. That's not the finish line. That's just where we all start. And then this process of sanctification begins. God's plan and will for your life, that you progressively become more like Christ. And I would tell people the best way that we do this is through making just these daily deposits where you become more like Christ. Because here's what happens sometimes. You try and do it all at once, right? Like this is what happens a lot of times if you haven't been to the gym in a while and you go there and you're like, i got to get back in shape. And so today I'm going to do like every machine in this place. I'm going to do 50 reps on all of it. And the next day you feel like you are going to die. <laughs> like like you, you, you're sore in places you, didn't, you don't even know what to call that. Like you, you need to do it on a daily basis. That's why if you go a couple times a week, that soreness gets worked out. You get stronger. You feel better. In our spiritual lives, we make daily deposits where we look around and say, hey, how can I follow God's plan? Like, what can I do to minister to other people? What can I do to grow in his word? What can I do to be more like Jesus? And we make daily deposits. And sometimes it feels really small. Like, man, this, is, this isn't making an impact like I want it to. But then you do it for a while. And some of you, if you're a little bit mature in your faith, you look back and go, that little deposit grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it became a passion, it became a ministry, and it's had an impact all over the world at times. And so we make these little daily deposits. We also trust his plan. Because here's the funny thing. I guarantee somebody out there, as we've talked about the word plan so many different times, you've had a verse that's come to your head, right? It's Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says this. Most of you probably know it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, I don't, want, don't feel like this is like dogging on anyone. I know some of you have that printed on coffee cups, T-shirts, bumper stickers. That verse is used all the time, right? People even outside the church have known that one because it gets put in so many places. It's a life verse for a lot of people. And he has a plan for me. It's to prosper. Yes, but you have to understand the context of this verse. Amen. Okay. So, oh, y'all heard this one before. Okay. Well, uh, for everybody else, um, context is important. When this is written, the Jewish people were slaves in Babylon. They had been taken over. They understood oppression. They understood what it was to be taken from their home. And this is the context that it's written. I have a plan for you. God says, I have a plan. But people don't read verse 10. 
For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Now, God has a plan. He also just said, hey, that plan is good. It's going to be 70 years before it comes around. And for these people, they had to understand most of us aren't even going to see that. Turns out life expectancy was a little bit shorter back then. So if you're a little bit older and you go, man, I'm, I'm 60 and it's going to be 70 years from now, that's not going to be me. God goes, I have a plan for you. You need to trust my plan. Because God's plans are not always instantaneous, right? Like we live in a society, we, we want everything done quickly. Like we have to have the fastest internet. You've got to have the most up-to-date thing. Like we don't do well with things that take time, right? We don't do well with patience, and I know we don't because every one of you have opened the microwave with one second left. Couldn't wait. You did it. You know it. No, I need hot pocket now. Like our plans, they run on efficiency. God's plan runs on effectiveness. Like there are times where we want to make our plan so it goes so quickly, so quickly. Got to have this happen quickly. Like, that's why when I go to the store sometimes, like, it's drive to Walmart, get out, have the list, get everything, walk outside, take my mask off, proclaim to the world, new record. Like, did it in 15 minutes this time. And then there's times where I go, and, man, you hit every light on the way there. And then you get inside, and they don't have what you need, and so somebody's got to go to the back and bring it back out, and it just takes a lot longer. And we go, man, that wasn't effective. But what we don't see sometimes is because you had to wait at one red light. If you'd have been at the next one and it was green, somebody ran it. And so you avoided an accident. Or because you were at a certain part in the store, you weren't around somebody that maybe had something that you could pick up. <laughs> see, we don't see the 10 billion variables that God deals with every instant. We want effective, or we want efficient. And God says, no, my plan is going to be effective. So the big question then becomes, well, what do we do with this? Like, how do, how do we follow God's plan? If God's plan for my life is for my sanctification, for me as a believer to be more and more like Christ each and every day, how do we live that plan out? Look in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, verse 1. Paul writes this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that, is testing you, um, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do we live this? One, it starts with being a living sacrifice. Sometimes it's acknowledging my plan may not be God's plan and then being okay with that. That's why when I was young, I, I knew I was called to ministry like late middle school, early high school. And I got real excited about it for a while because it was like, man, I, I, I love my pastor. I love my youth pastor. Like I want to be like them. And, and then I saw the paycheck and was like, ah, maybe something else. Um, and just had several years of misspent youth. And so my freshman year of college, man, I'm wrestling with God. And it's, it's hitting me of, hey, I know I'm called to this, but I want to do something different. At the time, I was working at a bank. I was already told, hey, you can come on when you graduate. Turns out they make a little more. 
And so I'm, I'm going back and forth with God of like, I will be the best volunteer they have ever had. Like, I just don't want to work there. I will do anything they need. And we wrestled and wrestled. And then that summer, I interned at a church. And about three weeks into it, I knew if I don't do this, I will be miserable the rest of my life. Like, I had a great plan. Like, I wasn't trying to, like, you know, go be a professional bank robber. Like, that wasn't my plan. It was, hey, I want to work there. And God said, no, I have a different plan. And so it's trusting him and saying, your plan is better than mine. And so I'm going to sacrifice less of me, more of him. The next thing is, do not be conformed to the world. Like, if we are going to follow his plan, it means we're going to look a little bit different than the world around us. And so to look more like him, we look less like the world. And we acknowledge that, hey, just because I'm not doing everything within the world, I can still deeply, deeply love my Savior. What if Jesus was more than all the world's possessions and activities and things that get thrown out to us? Because I've watched what happens when someone realizes that. Some of you know, like, before I came here, I was kind of in between jobs, and I needed something to do where I could still make my own schedule, so I did Uber driving. And that's really entertaining. I still do it from time to time. One night, I pick a kid up. Um, We'll say he was well into his night, um, freshman, like some of you, and we start talking, and uh, it's like, hey, man, where are you from? He said, I'm from Atlanta. It's like, oh, it's cool. I used to go out there for a conference a couple times a year. He's like, oh, what conference? I said, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called Orange. It's like a church conference. And uh, he goes, yeah, I have heard of it. He said, I've never been to that one. I'm, I'm more of a, like, desiring God conference kind of guy. And I was like, okay. I said, uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty reformed, buddy, and uh, I'm actually a pastor. And then he got real quiet. <laughs> and uh, we start talking. This was, a, this was a young man who had been grounded in his faith. Like, some, the conversations we had, we, we got fairly theological fairly quickly. <laughs> and he's fairly drunk. <laughs> and as we talk, he just finally said, man, I know I'm in sin right now. I said, I know you are too, bud. <laughs> I'm just glad I'm driving. And we talked. We had one of the best conversations I've ever had. And we got done, and I was dropping him off at his apartment. I said, hey, look. I don't care about Uber driving right now. We're just going to keep this conversation going. I said, you've enjoyed this, haven't you? He said, yeah. He said, it was pretty refreshing. I said, do you enjoy this more than what you were doing a little bit earlier? Yeah. I said, don't forget that. Don't forget that just because you're out in the world doesn't mean you have to be conformed to it. He saw the joy and beauty of just having a good gospel conversation. And so we're not conformed to the world, but I would say a big part of we follow that plan is in verse 2. When he says, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so I would say each day, start with a mind renewed by Christ. How do we do that? I love the way one author I was reading this week, he said, we just saturate our mind and marinate our mind in God's word. And those are adjectives that are a little weird to use with the Bible, right? Like, don't physically marinate it. It doesn't do well. But like that idea of, hey, if you know, if you, if you enjoy cooking, you know what happens when you marinate something. Or maybe you saturate it with butter. <laughs> like, it's better. And so we do that. How do we renew our minds? We pour our mind into God's word. We saturate it. His, world, his word pulls us from the world into something greater. 
And so if that's kind of a, man, I'm, I'm just not sure, where do I even start? I've, I've shared it before. Go on the app store, get the U version of the Bible. It's the most popular one, probably the first thing that pops up unless somebody advertises more. It's got reading plans. It's got reading plans for different situations in life, different chapters of life. That's a great way to begin marinating your mind in God's word. Do a Bible study. There's another one called Dwell. If you're like, man, I just don't really enjoy reading, download Dwell. It will read it for you. And they've got some cool voices too. Um, James Earl Jones isn't on there. And when they get him, then it's perfect. But we renew our mind each and every day. We saturate ourselves in God's word because when we read it, it changes us and it makes us more like Jesus Christ. We just spent months walking through one of his sermons. There are so many things within that that renew your mind, that make you more like he is. And then look in 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter writes this. Verse 10, he says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Use the gifts that come with his plan. Like, his plan actually comes fairly well equipped. Like, it's not the cheap car that you got to roll the windows up. It's the one with everything on it. Like, he has equipped us for this plan, and he has equipped us with spiritual gifts. And I would encourage you, know what they are for you. The Holy Spirit empowers every believer with spiritual gifts. Go online, take a spiritual gift test. If you're not familiar with what yours are, know what they are so that you can best use them. Because I know for me, like I took one this week just to kind of remind myself of some things. My top three, teaching, administration, and evangelism. Turns out those are really good things to have if you're a pastor. Um, His gifts mold your plan your plan we're all being sanctified but it's going to look a little different you may never have a face mic and have your name on a church website but you've been called to be a minister and the holy spirit has empowered you with gifts know what they are i also laugh because my lowest one is still compassion my wife is nodding i'm told at times what i think is encouraging most people would define as being a jerk. Um, so that one's low, but hey, I, I try and be compassionate in ministry, but hey, teaching and administration, those are great. So know what they are and so that you can use them. Because as you're becoming more and more like Christ, the way that he's gifted you is going to allow you to further yourself within that process. You've got spiritual gifts, use them. Do you like teaching? Talk to me. Do you like teaching? Talk to Allison. Talk to Josh. We've got people on our normal Sundays when our kids are back there. I'm looking around to see several people that will do some of the teaching portion. Do you like being around children and having craft time? We have that as well. Do kids scare you? We have student ministry. Do students scare you? We have behind-the-scenes things. Like, God has gifted you in so many ways. And I'm so thankful because every Sunday, none of this happens without the unbelievable spiritual gifts of dozens and dozens and dozens of people. Like right now, we've got a team that's making the online service possible. They're in another room. They're putting the scriptures up. They're mixing sound, all of that, because they said, hey, we, we understand there are people that are out there. This is our opportunity to reach out to the world. So they're using those gifts. We've got people in here every Sunday that put everything up to where we can see in here. We've got a band that does an amazing job of using the gifts that God has given them. We've got people with unbelievable craftsmen and skills that have done 
awesome things around the church. You have been gifted by God. You will feel more fulfilled when you put those into practice. And then I'd say the last one is this. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I know we bounced around a little bit today. First Corinthians, oh, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. As believers, we all have the same plan. Paul said it really clearly. Hey, God's plan, his will for your life is your sanctification, you becoming more like Christ. And so we all share the same common goal. And so we have to remember this. We're called to unity. And I hate saying it, but like we have to be reminded of that, especially now, man. It's been such a divisive time on a hundred different things. Like people all over the room right now, everyone online, you could think of like literally a hundred different things that you could be divided over. And yet we're called to unity because we look and go, we know the same prize, we know the same goal, we follow the same plan. And so we've got to remember this. We've got to remember this at church. Like we need to be united as a church family. And we say, hey, we look up and say, hey, what's important to us? We talk about things that we're committed to, committed to God's word, the gospel, obedience, We'd say, hey, we're for God's glory. We're for people, for the nations, for community. That's one of the things that unites us together and gives us a common goal and says, hey, when we leave out of here, we know the plan. So many times churches can be unbelievably divisive. I've been a part of it. You've probably been a part of it. We have to be reminded as believers we are called into unity and a family. We've got to remember it at home. Remember unity with your spouse as you do life, as you parent. We have to be reminded of that. Hey, when I'm at home, there is going to be a sense of unity because we're called to that. We have to remember it on social media. <laughs> no one laughed at that. I really thought people would go, yeah, no. We have to remember it there. Like, it's become this unbelievably divisive thing. Because here's what happens. When believers and the church and churches are united, we can impact so many lives people outside the church know that we're supposed to love them people who are like super far from God don't want anything to do with Christianity they know that they've heard it enough that hey these people are supposed to love me they're supposed to minister to me but you know what if we could show unity to the world it'd blow their minds and so that's why on Mondays I get together with anywhere from 20 to 40 pastors in this area we get on zoom together it is pretty funny because some of them haven't figured out where to hold the phone so they just set it down one guy, the first time I met him in person, I really, I had to look at his chin. To, is that, oh, okay, I recognize you now. It's, it's every denomination in town. We got Baptists, we got Methodists, we got non-denom, we got Assemblies of God, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Church of Christ. I mean, everybody's there. And you know what? If we wanted to get into some theological debates, we could be very ununified. Because some of those groups would maybe get along a little bit better. Like, we were kind of making some jokes earlier this week. Like, you take, like, the Baptists and the Methodists. They're kind of like Texas and Louisiana. Yeah, they're a little bit different, but they're kind of the same. They get along. And then you could go through. We were just making the joke of, okay, well, 
the Church of Christ said, yeah, we're like Texas because, you know, we think we're the only one. And uh, then you've got, like, the, the Presbyterian guy was like, yeah, we're like Texas. We're just the small town that your grandparents live in. And then the Charismatics are like, yeah, we're Austin. So, I mean, just if we wanted to, we could sit down and have so many arguments. Instead, that hour is spent praying for one another, hearing how things are going in churches. We're all walking through the same thing. It's one of the most uplifting times of the week for me. And we always end by praying for our community, and we pray together. That is what will impact lives. And so when we walk out of these doors, we know the plan. It's time to live the plan. It's time to live the plan so that our friends and neighbors can know what the plan is. It's time to live the plan so that our community is not hurting in so many different ways. It's time to live the plan for God's glory. Let's pray. God, we do love you. God, I'm unbelievably thankful that you made a way for us to experience sanctification through your son, Jesus Christ. And if there is someone that is here this morning or online, God, and they don't know what that looks like, but man, every time we say the name of Jesus, something just stirs in them. We even saw last week that when you invade someone's life, they they may think they know you, but you said to Lydia, no, I, I opened up her heart to know the word of God. And so maybe you're opening hearts this morning. And if that's you, I would say, just simply pray this, God, as best as I know how. I want to acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I need your grace. I want to turn from my life and I want to turn towards you through your son, Jesus Christ. And if that's you, that is the starting point. You get to live this life of progressively becoming more like Christ. And for those that are walking that path now, God, I pray that you'll make ministry clear to us this week. God, that we'll have the opportunity to impact lives and celebrate what you're doing. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.